0: Odd Trails contains adult language and content. These stories can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. And just trust. Believe. Mm-hmm. For context, I live on a ranch in rural South Texas. My house was built in a square shape with two living rooms, and all the bedrooms and hallways connect via bathrooms so you could walk around the whole house without hitting a dead end. As a kid, I would sleep in my parents' room, which connected to the back living room slash game room. My parents' bed faces the door leading out to said room and one night, During a bad thunderstorm, the power went out, and I couldn't sleep. Eventually, a flashlight beam appeared on the wall straight across from the doorway. Out of shock, I sat up and stared at it for what felt like an eternity. After maybe two or so minutes, I started to see someone stick their hands in front of the beam, and then start to do hand puppets of birds, and then a dog, and then a few more creatures, which I can't explain. But these figures were the kind that you couldn't make with your fingers. I watched in amazement for a few minutes, but then began to realize that both of my parents were asleep next to me. We were the only ones in the house. My first instinct was that it was someone outside on the back porch doing this through the glass door. But then I noticed that it couldn't have been Due to the angle they would have to be at, it was impossible. I woke my mother up to look. She didn't want to budge and told me to go back to sleep. At the same time, this hand puppet thing became more erratic and it began shape-shifting. Faster and faster, I started to cry. My mother woke up and looked at me and how I was acting. She eventually looked at the doorway, but said that she saw nothing. I looked back in the direction, and it was gone. Now after this night, every now and then, the flashlight in the puppets would come back, and I tried to show my parents, but they would never wake up. They could never catch it on time. I would just cover my head with blankets, and then hold on to my mother's arm for dear life. As an adult, I can still see the memory of it clear as day, but the thing that gets me the most is the wall that I would see these puppet shows on. It had some Coca-Cola collectibles on it, and one of them would glow in the dark. When the shadow of the puppets would cross over it, it would go completely black, as if it had never seen light. It was just dark, just like everything else. Whenever it was over, it would go back to normal. There have been plenty more things that have happened on my parents' ranch. If anyone's interested, I'm willing to tell more of my stories.
1: This story is definitely going to be hard to believe, but it is 100% true. It's a story I've told very few people in real life because I know how crazy it sounds. This occurred when I was around 11 or 12 years old. I was staying the night at my friend Danny's house who lived just a few houses down from mine. There was a large pond behind our neighborhood and we spent a lot of time there growing up, We'd go fishing, ride bikes, explore the small forest, whatever. But what we really enjoyed was catching turtles and tree frogs. It might sound a little weird, but what can I say? We had somewhat of an obsession with reptiles and amphibians. Anyway, one night, I was up late, playing video games with Danny. And after a while, we wanted to do something else. It was close to midnight, but we decided to go out and try to catch some tree frogs. A family that lived in a nearby house had gone on vacation and they had a perfect backyard for catching frogs. We hopped their fence and started exploring. Almost immediately, I started to get a weird feeling, like we were being watched or something was nearby. There was this odd energy in the air, I don't know how to explain it, but something just felt off. I remember feeling afraid, but I had no reason to be. We had done this kind of thing many times before, but it never instilled fear in us. About ten minutes in, we thought we heard the frogs saying help me in a croaky, froggy voice over and over again. The weird thing is we couldn't see any tree frogs with our flashlights, and the yard wasn't that big. They started chanting in unison, which made it sound much louder. Feeling more than just a little creeped out, we bolted out of there and back to the street. We were standing under a street light on the street corner across from where the frog house was. I looked up at the light and noticed at least fifteen dragonflies attached to each other like a human centipede. They were doing a spiraling motion as they flew closer and closer to the light. It was... weird. After the dragonflies did their thing and flew away, Danny and I remained standing under that street light. We began talking about the strangeness of the frogs in particular. We both heard them croaking the same phrase, and we were pretty much just trying to figure out what that was all about. At some point during the conversation, I was instantly overcome with the most intense adrenaline rush I've had in my life. That feeling of fear without a source while at the frog house was back, but much, much stronger. It was like my fight or flight response was signaled for no reason. Once again, everything felt off and it felt like there was an intense energy all around us making the air heavy. I was terrified and I found out later my buddy was feeling the same thing. I became as still as possible listening intently to my surroundings. I didn't hear anything unusual but I suddenly felt drawn to look at the street behind me. I knew something was there. Whatever was behind me was the source of my fear, and it was putting out overwhelming energy with its presence alone. I hesitantly turned around and looked. In the middle of the street, about 20 yards away from us, there was an ordinary looking little girl with long, dark black hair, and she was wearing a white nightgown. She was sitting cross legged in the middle of the street with a doll in her lap and she was combing the doll's hair with a hairbrush. I was pretty much terrified beyond imagination. I was frozen with fear and could barely think straight. There was an incredible amount of energy in the air, and I knew something wasn't natural. She looked innocent enough, but I felt like she could break me in half with the snap of her fingers, if she wanted to. Another creepy detail was that she never even looked at us. She kept her head down and focused on her doll, but she definitely knew that we were watching her. After what felt like an hour, which realistically was probably more like 20 seconds, a car turned onto the street and began heading down the hill towards the girl. I remember the headlights getting brighter and brighter as it approached her. You would think maybe I would try to save her, but I legitimately could not move. Also, I didn't really expect her to get hit for some reason. I never felt like she was in any sort of danger. Eventually, she became lost in the car's headlights, all while never looking up from her doll. The car just passed right through her without any sound of a collision. It stopped at the stop sign 15 feet from us and made a right turn. We took our eyes off of where the girl was as we watched the car turn. When we looked back to where the girl had been, she was gone. Instead, there was a dog on the sidewalk, precisely parallel to where the girl was sitting in the street. The dog was looking right at me when I noticed it, almost like it was waiting for me to see it. Then it just turned around and trotted up the hill in another direction. After a few seconds, the shock wore off and we sprinted back to Danny's house and spent half the night looking out his second story window towards the street. Last thing, the house the girl was sitting across was haunted. I lived on that street for ten years and four or five different families lived in that house during those ten years. All of them said it was haunted.
0: So I work in a prison in the UK. I always like to work nights because you do seven days on, seven days off. Whilst on nights... I would get locked into a wing with no keys. We have a sealed pouch with a key cell inside for emergencies. I'm in charge of looking after 200 prisoners. After a few busy hours, doing my checks on people who are essentially on suicide watch, the wing starts to settle down, and through the night, I do multiple patrols. During these patrols, I've witnessed so many bizarre things. Here are just a very small portion of the things that have happened to me whilst on nights. One night I was on landing 3 doing my checks. I heard a loud bang coming from the first landing outside the Severi. When I went to investigate, there was a broom on the floor. When I reviewed the CCTV footage, you can clearly see the broom slowly being lifted away from the wall that it was resting on and then quickly getting thrown to the ground. The footage has been burned off, but most of the people at work have seen it. We usually show it to the new staff before they do their first night shift to freak them out. One night we had someone overdose. He was located in cell 237. I was working the week after all of this had happened, and the cell was locked off for police investigation. It was completely empty. At about 3.30 a.m. in the morning, the cell bell for 2.37 was pressed. At first, I didn't even know that this cell belonged to the guy that had died the previous week. But as soon as I looked into that empty cell, I realized and froze. It takes a lot to freak me out, but I didn't walk back to that part of the landing until roll count. There are some more minor but still equally as creepy things that have happened. In fact, some that happened last week that prompted me to share this. While walking Landing 3, one of the showers on 2 turned on by itself. The only way to turn it on is to press a button on the wall inside the shower. I went to investigate and the showers were locked. The lights inside were turned off. This was at about 2.30 a.m., Approximately 30 minutes later, I was walking down to the second landing, and an office door slammed shut. I checked the landing for open windows, and they were all closed. Again, every time I hear a noise, I always investigate. I love anything creepy, but this really sends shivers down my spine. I have so many more bizarre things that have happened to me. I've heard some really creepy stories from some colleagues as well. That I could share in the future.
1: The house my husband and I live in is fairly old. It was built in the 30s. It's smaller, but the perfect size for our family, which is made up of myself, my husband, our two girls, and our dog. We bought and moved into the house pre-kids about six and a half years ago. The market around where we needed to move to wasn't great at the time. That, added to the time crunch of needing to move within the city limits, made for a hastier-than-I-would-have-preferred situation. My husband is a police officer and had moved districts to be in town where we grew up which was just a few towns from where we had previously lived. He had a limited time to do this, hence the time crunch. We had looked at a handful of houses before selling this one, the one we're in now and the one in which the story I'm about to tell took place. The move was as uneventful as a move could be. We transitioned really well from where we lived before. Looking back as I'm writing this, I did remember thinking that the house felt off, but I thought the feeling was purely situational. It's a new house, a new town, and a pretty decent-sized adjustment to the atmosphere. To add to that, my husband also worked nights at the time, so I was alone in the house by myself until he got home at around 2 or 3 in the morning. All of that, mixed with the creaks and squeaks that come with a house settling, made for a few uneasy feelings and experiences. Those experiences being things like walking by the open door of our bedroom and not wanting to look in for fear of seeing something I didn't want to see, or refusing to go down to the basement at night. Actually, refusing to go down into the basement day or night unless I absolutely had to, and when I did, quickly walking up the steps, and then closing and locking the door behind me. It always felt like I couldn't get up fast enough, because it felt like someone, or something, was about to grab my leg and pull me down, or the times where I felt like I wasn't alone, like something was watching me, These feelings and experiences passed once my husband got home, as I never experienced anything while he was there. Because of that, I just kind of brushed it off as my mind playing tricks on me and listening to too many episodes of Let's Not Meet." A few years went by, and we eventually welcomed daughter number one into the world. My husband was still working nights, so it was just her and I which made me feel a little better and less alone. Why did I think that an infant would protect me from anything bad happening? I couldn't tell you. But I enjoyed my sweet, snuggly sidekick, and it did make me feel better. We fell into a nice little routine during that time, too. My husband would sleep during the day for about four hours, wake up to hang out with us for a few hours, then lay back down to sleep until he had to sign on for his shift. After he left for work, I'd give the baby a bath, feed her, lay her down for bed, and then spend the rest of the evening catching up on a show or scrolling through my phone. Eventually, I went back to work. I was a night shift ER nurse at the time and would work when my husband was off. I had the same routine of sleeping a while getting up to see my daughter and husband for a bit, then laying back down before I had to get ready for work just like my husband did. Life moved on. The off feelings slipped into the dark, dusty corners of my mind and were forgotten about. We even welcomed baby girl number two about five months ago, which was a shock, but that's a story for another time. Regardless, What I'm trying to say here is that I just forgot. I forgot I felt those things. Until recently. Three weeks ago, my husband and I were home with the girls. It was a Sunday. The reason I remember it was a Sunday is because that's when my husband and I are off of work. I was catching up on things around the house. Our laundry room is in our basement. Our basement is also half a garage, so it's pretty big. I was heading downstairs to move the laundry over and put a new load in. My oldest daughter wanted to come with me, which isn't unusual. She comes down and rides her tricycle, or just stands there and talks my ear off. She's three, that's her thing. As I'm moving the laundry to the dryer, she tells me she's going back upstairs with her dad. I said okay, and heard her walk to the stairs and then walk up them. As I'm getting the washer loaded up, I then hear her come back down the stairs. Again, not unusual. She gets bored easily and has the energy to walk up and down the stairs several times before wearing out. As I'm putting the softener back onto the shelf, I see her walk past me out of my peripheral vision just bobbing along in her pink shirt and ponytail like it was nothing. I didn't give this a second thought because why would I? As I'm closing the lid to the washer, I say, All right, kiddo, let's head back upstairs. Nothing. I turn around to say it again, and she's not there. Now, I'm confused as shit because I know I saw her walk past me a few seconds ago. I step to look behind the chimney. Nothing. That's when I hear her running upstairs in what sounds like the living room area, which is above and to the left of the basement. There is absolutely no way she could have made it from where the laundry is in the basement to the complete other side in the time it took me to put the softener on the shelf and close the lid. Also, I would have heard her do so. I stood there, confused, and then realized something that chilled me to my core. She isn't wearing pink. What's more, she didn't have her hair up. That wasn't my daughter. I book it to the stairs and run up them. I get to the playroom and, sure enough, there's my daughter playing with her Barbies on the floor with my husband and wearing a blue shirt with her hair down and messy. I stood there, staring at them, and shaking with fear and shock. I must have looked like I saw a ghost, because, well, I probably did. Babe, are you okay? You look like you're going to pass out, my husband said. Which does track, because I'm very anemic and have passed out in front of him more times than I care to talk about. No, no, I'm not. I think I saw a fucking ghost, I told him. I then divulged my story, and he was just as creeped out as I was, though less shaky, pale, and out of breath. Hours and even days after that, I was trying to debunk what I saw by trying to logically rationalize the situation. I even went back down to the basement with my husband and retraced what I did with him there. And I was right. There's no way someone could have made it from point A to point B in that amount of time, or without being heard, even with the washer and dryer running. Trust me, we tried. Several times. It just wasn't possible. About a week has passed and I'm still in shock that I saw a ghost. The house still felt off and more things were happening. Shuffling noises in the kitchen... Nick's odd bumps coming from the attic. Although it felt off, I never felt threatened. I never felt like whatever was in the house with us was negative or out to hurt us. I wasn't really even scared of it. Caught off guard and shocked to shit? Sure. But scared? No. I genuinely felt and still feel that whatever it was, just wanted someone to notice it. An example of that being one night, sometime after the basement incident, my husband was sitting on the couch watching TV while myself and the girls were asleep when a pack of diapers flew off the kitchen counter and onto the floor. My husband said it was like someone smacked them off the counter, but as the days went on, it seemed to get agitated and started showing itself more. One day after work, I got home with the girls when my mother-in-law said she was on her way back to come get them for a few hours. I forgot about this plan, and was rushing to get the girls back out the door. She came by, got them, and I went back inside to relax. I was going to take my scrubs off, but I was in a hurry. So I walked into the dining room, grabbed my phone, walked into the kitchen, and remembered I needed to ask my husband what time he was getting up, so I knew what time I needed to go get the girls. I walked to the bedroom and saw he wasn't in bed, and the bathroom door was shut. I turned around and walked back down the hallway and back into the kitchen. What I saw when I rounded the corner to the kitchen about made me shit my pants. All the cabinet doors were open. All of them. I certainly didn't open them all. In fact, the cabinet doors at the top were open. I can't even reach those unless I have a stool. It couldn't have been my husband because I would have seen him. I just stood there, shocked. Honey? I managed to squeak out. What? My husband said through the closed door. You're going to want to see this, I said. See what, he asked. Just come out here and look. I hear him sigh, flush the toilet, and come out of the bathroom. He looks at me, and then looks in the direction where I'm looking, and his eyes get as big as saucers. I told him what I did, step by step. How I went into the kitchen, needed to ask him something, saw he was in the bathroom, turned around, walked back down the hall and into the kitchen and saw that he walked into the kitchen still speechless from shock and disbelief and slowly starts closing the cabinet doors i sat down at the table also in shock and disbelief what in the fuck is going on in our house and why is it just now starting to happen he shook his head and sat down across from me We talked for about an hour about the unsettling things that had happened within the span of a few weeks. We decided we needed to spiritually cleanse the house. And by we, I mean me. And I needed to do it sooner rather than later. We didn't want the girls to get scared or hurt because of this. After our discussion, we decided to leave and get the girls from my mother-in-law's house since it was getting close to bath and bedtime, so we both left and headed that way. Once we got home, we went upstairs to do our nighttime routine when we noticed the closet doors were open, the china cabinet doors were open, the lights were all off, the vacuum had been pushed over, and our poor, sweet basset hound was cuddled in the corner of the couch, terrified. She usually goes nuts when she hears the garage door open and continues until we love on her, but she was scared. Whatever was in the house had done this while we were gone, and it scared her. That was the last straw for my husband. He called a pastor he was friends with and asked him to come bless the house after the girls went down for bed. I begrudgingly agreed to this. I say begrudgingly because in order for this to be done the right way, or at least the way I was taught, the girls weren't supposed to be there. In fact, all the windows and doors in the house needed to be opened so that way whatever spirit was in the house could pass through to wherever it was going. It had to be a whole thing, not just a splash of holy water here and there, a small prayer and boom, done. But my husband was having a spiritual crisis. A man who was once a skeptic had his world and everything he thought he knew about it turned upside down in the matter of hours. So I obliged with the idea to amuse him and decided I was going to do a little cleansing ritual of my own that weekend while the girls and my husband were out of the house. His pastor friend came and prayed with us He didn't cleanse the house at all. In fact, he didn't even pray over the house. He merely prayed over our family for protection, which, whatever. It made my husband feel better. So I guess that was that. The next day, on a Saturday, the girls were at my mom's house and my husband was at work. I thought it was the perfect time to spiritually cleanse the house the right way. After meditating for a while and getting in the right headspace, I got out my sage and rosary, opened all the windows and doors in the house, and did my thing. The energy in the house was extremely heavy as I made my way from room to room. It felt like you could cut it with a knife. It made me feel tired and drained, but I kept going until I ended up in the last room of the house, the living room. It took about 30 minutes, and at that time, I heard knocks and other unexplainable noises in the house. All of a sudden, the hair on the back of my neck stood up as my body was covered head to toe in goosebumps. It felt like I was being surrounded by static, like when you put your hand up to a TV, except it felt like it was engulfing my body and filling the space around me. It felt heavy not negative or dark but sad and lost and it was draining me making me feel tired and listless. I knew that it was the spirit. I can't explain it but I just knew down to my bones that it was. It was like the knocks and noises leading up to that point was making its way through the house and towards me to hear what I had to say. I mustered up what positive energy I had left, and out loud I said, It's okay to go. You have permission to move on. You don't have to go to the other side, but you can't stay here anymore. I have to protect my family. I know you didn't mean any ill intent, but you're scaring my husband, and I don't want my kids to be scared either. So please, go on. I'm sending you out with love and light. I hope you find what you're looking for. A few seconds after saying that, the feeling was gone, and it's like the house took a big, deep breath of fresh air. It was gone. I just knew it. I could feel the energy shift, almost like a weight being lifted, and it might have been the smoke from the sage clearing, but it even seemed like the house looked brighter, more alive and positive filled with love and warmth. I closed the session, closed the doors and windows, and just sat in the living room, taking it all in. It felt better. Today, I'm proud to say we're living in peace now. No more ghost sightings, or cabinets opening, and no more off feelings, even when I'm home alone. Whatever spirit was in our house, making us feel uneasy and scared, I hope you're at peace now, wherever you are.
0: This happened probably over ten years ago. A group of friends and I decided to take a trip to the mountains for some hiking or camping. We spent a long day hiking, taking breaks to snack and talk, as well as explore. I was having a great time. After making it to the top of the mountain, where we sat and enjoyed the view for a bit, we decided to start hiking back down to ensure that we made it back to the campsite before dusk. I told them that I have to go to the bathroom, and that I would catch up. I jumped off the trail a ways and found a tree. I remember rushing to try and catch up because I thought that it was weird that I hadn't run into them yet. I wasn't going to the bathroom for that long. But after a while, I began to feel a bit worried. Kind of that feeling you get when you're driving and you know you have to make a turn but you're not sure if you've passed the street that you needed already or not. Looming uncertainty. I started getting really tired and lightheaded and cold. So I stopped by this big flat rock that had been sitting in the sun and I decided to rest and catch my breath, thinking maybe I had passed them somehow and they might be catching up to me. I can still remember how awesome the warmth of that rock felt. I laid on my back, closed my eyes, and started feeling calm and relaxed when I suddenly heard my friends talking. And this is where shit gets weird. It felt like I was waking up. I was groggy, but I felt revitalized and still on that lovely, warm, flat rock. My friends were sitting around me just chatting and realizing I was waking up. I said something along the lines of, where'd you guys come from? Thinking that they might have backtracked to meet up with me after I failed to catch up with them. They had a completely different stretch of events that led to me waking up on that rock with them. They told me that when I got back from relieving myself, I was acting really sluggish, like dragging my feet and walking insanely slow. They asked if I was alright and I just shrugged, avoiding eye contact and said, let's go. They said that as we hiked back down, together apparently, they tried to match my pace but I became increasingly zombie-like, as they said. Non-responsive and just shuffling along at a snail's pace. A couple of my friends, concerned that I might be sick, apparently ran ahead to find a ranger station while others stayed by my side as we walked. They said they kept trying to engage me in conversation, but I was so out of it and just scuffed along silently. Apparently the friends that ran ahead crossed paths with some hikers heading up the trail. The hikers informed them how far the ranger station was and they said that they'd give me some ibuprofen when they passed the rest of us. They told me that at this point they kept making me stop and rest every once in a while. It was during one of these rest periods that the hikers showed up and offered the pills to me. I was told that I looked at the pills, then at the hikers with this groggy suspicion and wouldn't respond or take them. A friend took them and thanked the hikers who went on their way up the trail. They told me that I watched the hikers until they went around the corner as my friends kept trying to get my attention to take the pills. I refused to take the pills and just kept saying, I don't know where those people came from. I'm not taking pills from strangers. Eventually, I was convinced to take them, was given a granola bar to munch on, and then I laid down on that warm flat rock and fell asleep. They said that I napped for ten minutes before I woke up, and they started telling me about how weird I had been acting. I told them I don't remember any of it, but decided not to tell them that I had a very different recollection of the events. I didn't really understand what had happened, and was still mulling over everything, trying to make sense of it. As we continued down the trail, they were surprised at how well I had recovered. I considered telling them about my version of things. That I didn't hike to that flat rock with them. That I felt fine before I stopped, and that I stopped just to rest and catch my breath a bit, hoping to eventually run into them. That they just kind of showed up out of nowhere, but I couldn't figure out how to explain it without sounding like a crazy person. Every so often I think back to that hike, and the only memory I have is how I finished going to the bathroom and started hiking, on my own, to catch up with them, then resting on that rock for a moment, before finding myself in their presence and listening to them tell me that I had actually been with them the whole time, completely out of sorts and acting paranoid. I considered that they were all playing a joke on me, but they seemed so genuinely concerned. It was a very weird experience, that, even more than a decade later, I still don't fully understand. So, based on popular request, we absolutely have to get our hands on some haunted dolls.
1: I think you're right. As long as I'm allowed to pick one out on my own, I think I'll be able to mentally prepare for whatever may come of it. Maybe we can take them with us on our special, super special vacation that's coming up soon.
0: Yeah, um, so that's going to be next month during Halloween season. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty excited. Uh, so I've, no, I've I've only read about Skinwalker Ranch. In fact, I don't even know much about it other than I hear it referenced in a lot of podcasts. And a lot of people talk about it being real spooky. That's, that's all I really know.
1: Yeah, and there's a mediocre Netflix show that was recently released. But I think we should go and check it out and see for ourselves. Bring our dolls with us. They can sleep with us like teddy bears. Maybe conjure up some spirits or whatever the hell goes on out there and just try it
0: out. Yeah, I, I'm wondering... If there's any specific gear, anybody listening that has any experience in ghost hunting or supernatural can recommend for us to grab and take out there. So we're going to go out to Skinwalker Ranch and spend the night in October with our, I guess, our haunted dolls. And and my subaru crosstrek and some sleeping bags exactly and um yeah if anybody has any suggestions on gear we should have maybe something to record some evps maybe i was about
1: to say an evp meter for sure like the meter itself and then a recorder it's it's a meter i'm
0: pretty sure it's a meter oh interesting i don't see i don't even i don't know anything about any of this shit Um... (laughs)
1: well you shouldn't all you do is narrate right that's all we do
0: yeah exactly (laughs) Um, yeah, and I, I, maybe we can find like a haunted hotel or something or something with some kind of history there on the way and make it like a road trip out of it. I think it'll be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. We can stop by Park City, make fun of all the ski people, visit a soda bar. We are in Utah after all. Maybe attend a service at the local LDS congregation. Grab myself a, a
0: cherry phosphate and uh, yeah. <laughs> go to church. Get a that cherry limeade. That might actually be fun. I'd be really curious to see. I like, would totally go to an service. LDS service. Yeah, yeah, we should. Let's do it. I'd be down. Like not not like to be a disruption or anything, just to, no. just to observe. Yeah, attend and see what it's all about without judgment. What if we get converted? What if they convince us it's, it is the way?
1: Then I think we're both going to be out about 10% of our income for tithing.
0: <laughs> I didn't think about that. Tithing, man, I grew up with that my whole life. In fact, my parents even made me pay tithing out of my first paychecks from my first job. That's grody. It is pretty grody. I know.
1: Well, the mandatory tithing, I just prefer to give my money to like people on the
0: street or whoever may yeah, need it. Yeah, that's where it should be going, really, if you're going to yeah. be giving money. Yeah I, yeah, I think, yeah, seeing people on the streets, like hungry people, that's the one thing that really tugs at my heartstrings. That's the, that's the one thing I can't let pass. Like, if I see anybody hungry, I've got to give them something. Be, like, just seeing people hungry breaks my heart. I was going to
1: say, anytime you're dining out, always, always, always get your food to go. Yeah. And just give it to somebody. We, we're not going to eat that shit when we make our way back home. At least I rarely do. Yeah, leftovers. And yeah. Yeah, I, I rarely eat leftovers, but I always make a point to get my food to go and then I find somebody to give it to. Yeah,
0: Definitely. But uh, yeah, if you want to if you want to make good with the big guy upstairs, I would say rather than tithing to a church or an organization, give somebody some food, give somebody some, yeah. some money that needs it. A crunch wrap supreme here and there. Oh man, that that sounds really good. I really want a crunch wrap supreme right now. I miss the
1: enchiladas the most. I'm so mad. I don't even go to talk about that much anymore. They got rid of so much of their
0: menu. It's so expensive now, but I miss a good Enchirito. I, I used to get the Enchorito and I would have them use the flatbread that they use for the gordita. Ooh, sexy. Yeah, it added add a lot of girth to it and made it a little more filling. Yeah. But man, I miss the enchoritos too. I wonder if there's like any rogue Taco Bells out there that will do it for you because they have the ingredients. Yeah, there are. I remember reading
1: on Reddit, there was some like rogue recipe you could like specify and it basically turns into an Enchirito. I can't find it and nobody that I talk to at the Taco Bells will do it for me, but I'm going to find somebody... If you are a Taco Bell employee in Northern California or anywhere in
0: Utah, let us know. Make us an Enchirito. We would be so happy. It's nothing more than like an inside out burrito. Like you just take the sauce and the cheese from the inside of a burrito and put it on the top. And like yeah, sprinkle and then some aliens onions. abduct you to stay on topic. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But whatever. Yeah,
1: it sounds good. I'm so hungry now. And we have the HelloFresh ad that we just did, so I'm extra hungry.
0: Yeah, man, I, I can't wait to meet the meet the Park City ski people. I'm excited about all of it. I, ho- I hope some I hope some crazy shit happens. I really do. I want to come back with with an experience with a story to tell. Yeah, if we were to make it down to Colorado City or Hilldale, like right at the
1: border of Arizona and Utah, yeah, that would be fun. That's perfect. They aren't very welcome to outsiders. That's where Warren Jeffs. Is or was based before he went to prison. Yeah, and there there are still a lot of devout people within his congregation who think he's still the prophet. That's so interesting. It is, it is. I would love to make it down there. It's a bit of a detour, but we'll see what we can do when you visit. And also, one more thing I wanted to bring up: if you want a free sticker, send us a message on our Instagram account at Odd Trails Podcast. But I'm going to ask something of you: just leave a review. It can be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, good or bad. Just be honest. I don't.
0: The first I, can ten people do reviews on Spotify. I think they could just give us stars. They can leave a star, but okay. I'll take a star. I'll take a
1: star. I'll take a stars are good. Yeah. Starlight, star bright. Is that how it goes?
0: First star I see tonight. I wish I may. I wish I might. Have the wish I wish tonight. That's that's yeah. what I remember, but I think that's from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Is that Winnie the Pooh? Okay. Well, either way,
1: cute. Just send us a screenshot showing that you sent us a. I don't want to say sent us some love. You could hate us, but either way, the first 10 people to send a screenshot of their review will get a free sticker sent to you directly by yours truly. Motherfucker, you ain't getting a sticker unless it's a good review. (laughs) 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 Well, okay then, the tribe has spoken. (laughs) Anyway,
0: Andy's going to let you know that we're so grateful for you to listen. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. This week you have heard when I was a kid, I would see hand puppets at night by Customs Gaming. Then, late one night, a little girl appeared behind me and my friend by Pyramids of Memphis, working nights in an old prison by the Sweaty Sock. Then, The Lost Spirit in My House by PG. And finally, Started Acting Strange by Bionic Utility Droid. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you've got a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And if you want to get access to our Patreon, which has ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best audio experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails and sign up to support the show today. We'll see y'all next week. Stay safe. Peace out. Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling.